Psychological analysis is far from being able to explain in complete and illuminating fashion all cases of the disease with which we are here concerned. On the contrary, the majority remain obscure and difficult to understand, and chiefly because only a certain proportion of patients recover. Our last patient is noteworthy because his return to a normal state afforded us a survey of the period of his illness. Unfortunately, the advantage of this standpoint is not always possible to us, for a great number of persons never find their way back from their dreams. They are lost in the maze of a magic garden where the same old story is repeated again and again in a timeless present. For these patients, the hands of the clock of the world remain stationary. There is no time, no further development. It makes no difference to them whether they dream for two days or thirty years. I had a patient in my ward for five years without uttering a word, in bed and utterly buried in himself. For years I visited him twice daily, and as I reached his bedside I could see at once there was no change. One day I was just about to leave the room when a voice I did not recognize called out, "'Who are you? What do you want here?' I saw with astonishment that it was the dumb patient who had suddenly regained his voice, and obviously his senses also. I told him I was his doctor, whereupon he asked angrily, Why was he kept a prisoner here, and why did no one ever speak to him? He said this in an injured voice, just like a normal person whom one had neglected for a couple of days. I informed him that he had been in bed quite speechless for five years and had responded to nothing, whereat he looked at me fixedly and without understanding. Naturally, I tried to discover what had gone on in him during these five years, but could learn nothing. Another patient with a similar symptom, when asked why he had remained silent for years, maintained, "'Because I wanted to spare the German language.' These examples show that it is often impossible to lift the veil of the secret, for the patients themselves have neither interest nor pleasure in explaining their strange experiences, in which, as a rule, they realize nothing peculiar.' Occasionally the symptoms themselves are a signpost to the understanding of the psychology of the disease. We had a patient who was for thirty-five years an inmate at Burkholzi. For decades she lay in bed, she never spoke or reacted to anything, her head was always bowed, her back bent and the knees somewhat drawn up. She was always making peculiar rubbing movements with her hands, so as to give rise during the course of years to thick horny patches on her hands. She kept the thumb and index finger of her right hand together as in the movement of sewing. When she died I tried to discover what she had been formerly. Nobody in the asylum recalled ever seeing her out of bed. Only our chief attendant had a memory of having seen her sitting in the same attitude as that she afterwards took up in bed. At that time she was making rapid movements of extension of the arm across the right knee. It was said of her that she was sewing shoes— later that she was polishing shoes. As time went on, the movements became more limited, until finally there remained but a slight rubbing movement, and only the finger and thumb retained the sewing position. In vain I consulted our old attendant. She knew nothing about the patient's previous history. When the seventy-year-old brother came to the funeral, I asked him what had been the cause of his sister's illness. He told me that she had had a love affair, but for various reasons it had come to nothing. The girl had taken this so to heart that she became low-spirited. In answer to a query about her lover, it was found he was a shoemaker. 
unless you see here some strange play of accident, you must agree that the patient had kept the memory picture of her lover unaltered in her heart for thirty-five years.'